As always, when I speak, I like to share a few of my latest favorite things. And one of the books that I've been recommending for a long time now, really challenging every woman I know to read, is a book called Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristoff and his wife, Cheryl Wudun. And it is a book that's giving us glimpses into what life is like for women around the world. Thus, its title, Half the Sky. And it's a very difficult read, but it's something that I think that every one of us, especially as American women, should read to, so that we can understand that the way that, that we're living our lives is very different from most and um, to challenge us to really speak up for the women in the world that are voiceless and um, to fight on their behalf. So Half the Sky, I highly recommend. And then a few songs that speak of God's grace and the song by Adria Saad called Run Forward speaks of a situation of um, reconciliation that's so beautiful. So I encourage you to include those recommended songs in your worship time this week. So I want to begin this morning by saying there are no perfect families. And as one of my dearest childhood friends um, used to tell me, she's since passed from cancer, but she would say, in your family is where you learn how to give grace. In your family is where you learn how to give grace. And I would say that throughout your life, you are going to have lots of opportunities to learn how to love difficult people. And sometimes those difficult people are going to be living right under your own roof. Sometimes they're in your extended family. So, um, yes, families are wonderful. And yet, um, there are no perfect families. Now, I've noticed at this time of year, we're already being... Um, encouraged to make some purchases for the holidays and I saw an ad in a Pottery Barn magazine this week this week that I can't get out of my mind it had a beautiful picture of a table laid out for Thanksgiving uh, decorated beautifully and its caption read together and thankful together and thankful and I think our families are supposed to be together every day of the year, not just on Thanksgiving. And and I want you to keep that thought in mind throughout our time this morning. Let's begin by looking at the power of a name and the naming of Jacob's 12 sons. You looked at these, these texts in your study this week. We're seeing God has begun to multiply <laughs> This family, this family of promise, he's and he's going to turn them into a nation. But um, I think here we must note and look at, especially um, from Isaac to Jacob, th these generations. What's being passed on from one gen generation to the next? I would say that we see here passiveness, self-indulgence, and favoritism. Mitch Kim says this about self-indulgence. Self-indulgence is like a thirsty man drinking salt water and everyone around him is thirsty too. We're seeing here in the, as these dear sisters are married to the same man, how they're competing for attention, um, grasping for love. And it looks as if everyone is consumed by wanting their own desires, their own comfort. And I think at this stage, 
Were God's covenant promises remembered? Were they being proclaimed? And in the midst of all of the messiness of this family, we're seeing that God is continuing to pursue his people and he's showering them with his grace and faithfulness. I want to be sure to note some of the things that would be have been going on in the ancient world. Um, in particular, the priority of producing an heir in, in this culture, in these days, survival of the family was extremely important. And a second wife might threaten the harmony of the family, but producing an heir was the higher priority. If a wife didn't produce an heir within a certain period of time, the man could simply divorce her. There was a marriage contract discovered, and I found this in the Zondervan Bible Background Commentary by John Walton. I've since uh, changed the names so that they would be, it would be easier for us to understand. Um, but this is an example of a marriage contract that was maybe a few hundred years past the patriarchal period, but gives us a window into what was going on during this time in regards to marriage. This contract reads, If Gina bears children, Steve shall not take another wife. But if Gina fails to bear children, she shall get for Steve a woman from the Lulu country, which would have been a slave. She shall be his concubine. In that case, Gina herself shall have authority over the offspring. So we see the pattern here that begun with Sarah, began with Sarah, and then continues with Rachel and Leah, that this was commonplace back then. And we think, oh my, um, how difficult it must have been for these poor people who were enslaved. Um, we do find in, in the time of the law that slaves in Israel were to be treated well, they would work alongside of the family. They were to be included in work, worship. They would work for six years and then be set free, although some would choose to stay. Um, runaways were to, to be protected. So I think that slaves in Israel were treated differently than in other nations, yet it's still a heartbreaking thing to see the, the, the different um, statuses given to people and and we're seeing this in our story of the uh, in the text that we look at today i also want to mention just the names and the importance of names in the ancient world they were often connected to a person's destiny and the, the a name was to identify the essence of a person in the midst of all this this growing messy family and the naming of these sons that seemed to be given without much vision or hope. Um, it's really sad. It seems as if they've forgotten that God is present and forgotten that he made promises to them. Um, their eyes of faith seem to be blinded by their selfish desires. Yet in the midst of all this, we must remember that God values each one of these children. They're all made in his image. And though Joseph is the channel of the covenant blessing, um, each one, each son is a recipient of the covenant promises. They are all blessed to be a blessing. They will be made into to many nations and, and God has promised to be faithful to them. 
Now, when the, as we look at these names that seem to be so disappointing, <laughs> um, I want to give you an example of someone who's given high hopes at their birth, and it's my father. Um, my grandmother was 40 years old when my dad was born. He was an only child, and she was a Bible teacher and passionate about missions work, and so she and my grandfather named my dad Hudson Taylor Harrison. He was named after the first missionary to China. Now that's a big name to live up to. And um, you see the dreams that, that she had for her son in the giving of this name. And yet my dad grew up to be a businessman, not a missionary. And although he, um, throughout his life, has, I'm sure, given generously to missionaries and supported them. Um, his life maybe didn't turn out exactly as she had predicted. Um, yet, the legacy of faith that um, was begun by my grandparents and passed along to my dad has is, is continued in, in my siblings' lives and in um, the grandchildren. And... Um, so it's just think it's important to be thinking about wow the power of a name and um, and what that means, especially as what it meant back in this time. I would challenge you today to remember to let God tell you who you are and all that He's designed you to be, the plans that He has for you. And we think of a few texts from the New Testament. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved you and offered himself as a sacrifice. Um, we are always to remember that we are God's dearly loved daughters and we are to share that love that he bestows upon us. And then also 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is a memory verse that I remember teaching at the Royal Family Kids Camp, a camp for elementary age kids who have, are foster children, children who were taken from their homes because they were ne neglected or abused. And I loved hearing the children proclaim the words of, of this verse. Oh my, um, ch being chosen and royalty and having been offered mercy. <laughs> and I think I wanted to proclaim to them as I was teaching them that there are circumstances and people in their lives, even their parents who were broken people, and they were the ones that were supposed to be caring for them best, um, struggled to do so, um, that their circumstances and the failure of their parents, their parents do not have the power to tell them who they are and what they can become. I love that at camp, each of the kids wears a name tag all week long, and we give each one the spiritual meaning of their name that gives them hope in this beautiful picture that God has a great future and a beautiful life um, planned for them.
And I think we all need to be reminded of who God says that we are. Also, we always need to be remembering that God is the one who is forever living, living up to his name. Whenever you see mention of God's name in scripture, remember that when his name is mentioned, it represents his essence, his character, and he is the one who is never changing. He is the one who lives up to all of the names that we find. We could be learning about him and getting to know him through all, all the different names that we find in scripture. But whenever we hear mention of his name, remember that his character never changes and he's the one that can always be trusted. I think of Jacob when he first, he had stolen his brother's birthright and he was sent away. On his way, God showed up and gave him a dream. In Genesis 28, verses 12 to 15, we find, And Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you walk, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Here, Jacob was running away from his family. And yet, God, by his grace, shows up and blesses him and reminds him who he is and the promises that he's made to him and to his family. And then, years later, after Jacob's descendants had multiplied greatly and had been enslaved in Egypt, God shows up again and reveals himself to Moses and calls him to lead his people out of Egypt. We find in Exodus three thirteen to 15, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of, of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Whenever we see this name, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, we are to remember that he is a God who is ever faithful, even to those who are not faithful to him. I would like to ask you these questions today. Is there a person in your life that you've labeled? We find here in, the, in these texts the names that were given to the sons of Jacob. And we think of Jacob himself, whose name meant deceiver. He had that label <laughs> cast over his life um, at all times, it seems. So is there a person in your life that you've labeled? 
would you pray and ask God to help you see that person through his eyes? And maybe God would even encourage you to take a step to honor that person. Follow his leading. And today, whatever you are experiencing in your life, the Lord knows. And he is still that God who is ever faithful and always living up to his name. Is there a situation that you need to entrust to your ever faithful God today? Let's move on here and speak some more of God's grace to Jacob. God remains faithful to his covenant and he keeps extending undeserved grace and remembering his promises to Jacob. While in exile, God blesses Jacob by growing his family and providing for them. And I believe that Jacob grows through his years of work and perseverance there. God then gives Jacob another dream and tells him to go back. And Jacob obeys. He rounds up his family and they begin the journey. And on the way, he takes time to go off by himself. We find in Genesis 32, beginning with verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jake's, Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with man, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So we see the scene of Jacob wrestling with God. And he he's realizing that his struggling all along had not been with Esau or Laban. He'd been wrestling with God. Now he's humbled and broken. And he when he speaks his name Jacob, it's a confession. I am a deceiver. And he emerges from this struggle this that had gone on all night long with a new name and a limp hopefully with that limp he would never forget this experience of struggling with God and seeing him face to face and receiving the blessing the grace that he'd always longed for and it's here the God of his father is now becoming his God and then we also see God's grace extended to Jacob through his re the reconciliation with his brother Esau. It's such a beautiful part of the family history. Jacob does return. And after all these years, Jacob must have wondered, how will Esau respond when he sees me? And we find in Genesis 33, verses 4 and 10 and 11, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. What a beautiful picture of reconciliation. And Jacob offered gifts and bowed down to Esau. 
In verses 10 and 11, we find Jacob said, Please, if I have found favor in your sight, accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with, graciously with me, and because I have enough. Thus he urged him, and he took it. God's grace has paved the way for this beautiful reconciliation. And we will find later that Joseph would offer forgiveness and be reconciled with his brothers as well. So we must remember, ladies, that forgiveness and reconciliation are to be practiced by God's people. We also find in Jacob's life that God's grace continues and continues. Even after his name is changed, he is often called Jacob. He will still struggle. There are times where he's faithful, times where he's not. He will be a passive parent. He favors Joseph. Later, he will favor Benjamin. But God's grace will continue to be showered upon him. Once again, Dr. Mitch Kim from his Bible study on the book of Genesis says, Jacob is both a failure and a loved one at the same time. Later on, Whenever the name nation of Israel is mentioned, we must remember Jacob, whom the nation was named for, named from. That nation will, will fail too, and God's love will never fail. Now we know that grace has been defined as undeserved favor. God's delight in us that we don't have to earn. Jan Silvius also speaks of grace. She says, God's grace works in you, through you, to you, and for you. His grace works what you cannot do for yourself. Hallelujah for that. God is in the business of showering his people with grace and his people must be overflowing with grace and extending it to others. So I must ask you today, is there a family member that you need to forgive? Or is there one that you need to go to to seek forgiveness? I would challenge you, don't waste any time, please. Seek reconciliation today. Do your part to extend forgiveness or seek forgiveness. You can't be res responsible for how other people respond, but please do your part to seek peace and be a family that is together. Last but not least, let's look at God's sovereignty in the divine election of Joseph. We find this in Genesis 37 verses 1 through 11. Let's remember, ladies, that Joseph is not the hero of the story, but God is the hero of the story. He is the one who's faithful to his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we see that Joseph's dreams are given by this faithful God who's promised his people his presence and progeny and land and blessing. And we find that God's chosen deliverer will be rejected. This is a theme woven throughout the Old Testament, and we see it 
highlighted for sure in Jesus Christ himself. Let's read Genesis 37, 1-4. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. When Joseph gives a bad report regarding his brothers, we don't know if he was being a tattletale or he was being righteous. The text does not tell us. But what concerns me here is that he is the younger son and he is with his older brothers who are the sons of the slave wives, the concubines of Jacob, Bilhah and Zilpah. And these are the ones that he gives, whom he gives a bad report of. I, I don't know his motives here, but it makes me sad to think that possibly he's lording himself over them and thinking that he's of a higher status than they are. And then we find the inciting event of the Joseph narrative, the giving of the coat of many colors. Jacob fails as a father by favoring Joseph over the other children, and favoritism continues to wreak havoc on this family. Just as with Isaac and Rebecca and their son Jacob, parental favoritism promotes family discord, deception, and the disappearance of the preferred son. Yet God will be at work using it, even the, this messy family <laughs> and all that's going on here. He will be at work to achieve his good purposes. This is kind of the, the pivotal event, the giving of this coat. And the brothers respond by committing the crime of the century. And we see here Jacob made Jake, Joseph this special coat. <clears throat> the meaning of the word used here is uncertain. But we must know that during this time, various clothing communicated one's rank and status in society. The fabrics, ornamentation, colors, length, and hem all played a role in revealing a person's position. So this coat of many colors <clears throat> has been, the wording here has been interpreted as that, the coat of many colors, a long robe or a robe with long sleeves, a ceremonial robe with ornaments, or possibly an overseer's robe. This would be a garment worn by somebody who didn't have to work. <clears throat> also, as we found in 2 Samuel 13, 18, the connection with the wording used there is possibly it was royal apparel. We can't know exactly what it looked like, but we know that it was something that could not be missed. Likely it was pretty ostent ostentatious. And so whenever his brothers looked at him, they would see Joseph is wearing this doggone coat that reminded them that he was their father's favorite and they were not. <clears throat> and it was this coat <clears throat> that they would bring to their father having dipped it in blood, and say, 
Is this your son's cloak? Now we must see here that that Jacob seems to be giving Joseph authority and is declaring him as the favorite son. But most importantly, Joseph is God's chosen deliverer who's to be a channel of blessing, a channel of healing and service and reconciliation. The immediate result with the giving of this coat is, is that the brothers hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. They could not greet him with the, the common courtesy of the day, the basic greeting of peace. They didn't even want to speak to him. It's noted very clearly Joseph's age of 17 here in the text. <clears throat> and I have a 17-year-old son. And so it kind of gives me a window into what Joseph might have been like at this age. <clears throat> and I would say that as I look at my son, great young man, and he's had a sweet life so far, yet he has no idea how hard life is going to be yet. And I would say that may be true of Joseph as well. And he seems to be acting his age here especially in the sharing of his dreams. Now, dreams in the ancient world were thought to reveal information from the divine realm, and they were taken very seriously, especially dreams that were given to prophets and kings. Um, sometimes dreams that were that the common people had would be considered as omens, and dreams that were filled with symbolize, symbolism sometimes required interpretation and yet there were dreams that were very simple and clear and self-evident. I believe Joseph adds fuel to the fire of sibling rivalry by sharing his dreams with his brothers and father and we know that in both of the dreams that Joseph is pictures as Lord over his brothers and even his his parents. They bow down to him we will find later in the story that Joseph would be elevated to be governor in Egypt and his brothers would bow down before him. And not just his family, but jo Joseph would become a powerful leader. But the sharing of his dreams and his words, the words that he spoke, we don't have any greater detail than that but he the and it was not only the sharing of the dreams but the the other words that were spoken as well that caused his brothers to hate him more and to be jealous of him it is interesting to note that just like pharaoh would have two dreams joseph is given two dreams not just one and so it's very very clear god has determined his plans and they are going to come to pass he is going to make a way for Joseph to deliver his family. We also find that jo Jacob is not happy with jo Joseph's sharing of his dream, and he rebukes him. Isn't it interesting? Jacob, the one who had received dreams from God, God had revealed himself to him and spoken to him through dreams, yet he is not on board with God's plan yet. And so let's close with these final questions. We think of the brothers here. 
and how difficult it must have been to be unfavored, to seem to be longing for love and acceptance from their father. But we must ask this question when we think of them. Can you accept the lot in life that God gives to you? How will you do that? You see, we must learn, ladies, that God is the one who gives us life. Circumstances and people cannot give us life. So I will also, also ask this question. How are you receiving life from God so that his life can flow out of you so that you can be a blessing even in the most difficult of circumstances? Are you also, are you trying to bring others down so that you can be lifted up? And last but not least, are you a blessing as a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, a friend? And I would add to that daughter-in-law and sister-in-law. Think of all of your extended family. Because you have been blessed to be a blessing. God has a calling on your life and his plans for you to shine for him wherever he's placed you. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, thank you for your grace that flows so abundantly toward us. Thank you that you know us by name. Thank you that you have unique plans for each of our lives. Lord, I pray that you, for those that are in our lives that are difficult to love, that you would give us new eyes to see them that you would help us to honor and bless them. I pray for any broken relationships in our lives, Lord, that you would help us to be the ones that extend forgiveness and seek forgiveness and seek reconciliation and peace. Please guide our feet. <laughs> help us to follow in that path. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to accept the circumstances that we're in today and that you would help us to be receiving life from you and to be a channel of blessing so that we can be a blessing to whomever we meet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.